to the latest episode of Seismic Cinema. I am James, aka Captain Eddie Smith, and alongside me we have Colin, aka Fabrizio De Rossi. How you doing, Colin? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Just um, sad that Paul isn't here to share his distaste for the film. <laughs> I, I mean, suppose it would be good to have him here to get different kind of opinions on it. But I we're here to, um, today to review the 1997 classic Titanic. Okay. Um, so before I do get started and discuss that, I just want to go and do a wee bit of housekeeping. So for, us, for you guys who are watching on YouTube and Spot and Spotify, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok. You can also check us out and listen to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcast from. There's plenty out there. Three new subscribers this week on YouTube. Oh, fantastic. Oh, possibly, oh. Poss- possibly bots. <laughs> possibly bots. We'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, and you can help buy me a new mic by donating to buymeacoffee.com forward slash seismic cinema. Um, I was getting a wee bit of, wee bit of jet on the What's the Script podcast the other day um, during the Rocky 3 podcast, which was a very good podcast, boys. Well done, keep it up. But I don't give me a wee bit of grief saying uh, that I couldn't afford a mic and, you know, us being teachers, we should be able to hold a mic. <laughs> um, and that's all good banter, guys. Uh, don't worry, I'm not offended or anything, so it's all good. <laughs> and... Last but not least, we are part of the Podpack Collective. There is quite a few members on that now. So if you're interested in checking the Podpack Collective out, then go on to our Twitter page and check out the link tree and you'll see all the new members. And yeah, do check them out because they're, you know, we're trying to make the indie podcast scene a better place to be, good community, and help them grow their channels as well by liking, subscribing, and all that. Fancy taking a humorous trip down a random topic each week? You do? Well, you're in luck. Casting Views, presented by me, Dan, and a host of guests, bring you just that. With topics from the world of entertainment, science, sport, and everyday life, there's bound to be a topic that's going to inform and amuse. Catch Casting Views every Sunday on all listening platforms now. So, we are here to discuss the 1997 classic Titanic. So, um, before we go into the massive review, I'm just going to talk about recent ops to the film, do a wee bit of um, seismic statements on it, and then we'll do a wee bit of kind of, um, you know, talk about the, the characters, you know, favourite scenes and kind of themes with the film and all that sort of stuff. So, all good, Colin? Ready to go ahead? Yep. Right, yep. Okay. All right, so... A brief synopsis of the film, it is a 17-year-old falls in love with a kind but poor artist aboard a luxurious, ill-fated RMS Titanic. 84 years later, a 100-year-old woman named Rose tells the story about her life set in April the 10th, 1912 on the ship called the Titanic. Um, a very brief overview, certainly, but... Um, so one we'll get a we'll get a teeth into shortly. So as I said, it was it was 
released in 1997, directed and written by James Cameron. It stars Leo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, Billy Zane, Kathy Bates, Bill Paxton, and a lot more than that. Um, the budget was 200 million, and it grossed over just over 200 billion. Sorry, sorry, two billion. Sorry, not 200 billion. Two billion. So it's done pretty well um, worldwide. Right. Do you know the the movie costs more to make than the Titanic cost to build? Uh, yeah, I bet it did. Uh, is that when your, your trivia's getting flying yeah. now? Aye, good, good. Just got to steal in there. Aye, keep them coming. Um, I didn't look at any trivia for this film, to be honest with you. Um, I'm hoping you're going to be throwing a bits and bobs into that. And as I mean, I started, I started looking at the IMDb page, but you know, some of the pages are quite short. It just went on forever. Like I would have been here in three hours' time, like the movie, um, if I'd read them all. Yeah, the, the runtime for this film is just over three hours. I think it's like three hours and 17 minutes or something like that. Um, don't worry, the podcast won't be as long as that. We'll try and keep it um, short and sweet. It's not. It's a bit like Wolf of Wall Street. Maybe it's just the Leo effect, but it doesn't feel like a long film to me. The only reason it felt long is I watched it in segments because I'm at work term um, time. But it's it definitely doesn't it doesn't miss a beat in my opinion. But we'll discuss it as we go. Aye, aye. So. Um... I want to get your kind of background to the film before we go into the, the review, Colin. So, do you remember when you first seen the film? I've just got like snippets of watching it, like when I was young, kind of like primary school, probably in the kind of 90s. And it's it's just one of those films that everybody knows because of the iconic score and just the visual of the characters at the, the front of the Titanic and obviously the fact it's based in real-world events, which were obviously thrown back into focus last year with the the tragedy that happened with the submersible. Um, and I think it was last year, me, me and Paul were actually going to review this like a year ago, basically, and it didn't happen. I'm not sure why it didn't happen. Probably Paul went AWOL because he didn't want to review it. Um, Paul... You will be listening to this as you edit, so please tell us why you hate this film. You're keeping it really quiet. Um, and I think it was when I watched it last year in anticipation of reviewing it, I think that was the first time I'd looked at it with a kind of critical movie, Loving Eye, and just watching it that time and this time, I've just got so much appreciation for the film. I, I know it's a spoiler for later, but I do think it's a masterpiece. Aye. Um... Paul, yes, I agree with Colin. Please tell us why you hate the film. Uh, if it's got something to do with, you know, going to cinema with an old girlfriend or something like that, and you broke your heart, then I, mean, I completely understand. I don't uh, think Paul had girlfriends in the 90s. Well, well, well 97, I was in... Uh, well, me and Paul were only six at this point. <laughs> so that was an S1, so I don't know. Um, you're, you guys are six, that's fair enough then. Okay, I'll take that back. Um, <laughs> I, so I'm a saying, Mass, you know, I didn't see the pictures. Um, you know, you see snippets of it in the telly and that. I mean, I think as you grow older, this film 
as you say, because it's you know it's based on real life events and the tragedy that happened, it's you begin to appreciate it a lot more, and then you, you appreciate the film for the characters in it a lot more as well. So, I, um, as I agree, it's certainly a good film. You call it a masterpiece. Um, it's only it's only got. I think similar to Shaun of the Dead, what we're talking about. I think it's only seven point nine out of ten on IMDb. I'd love, like, to me these scores for Shaun of the Dead and Titanic are ridiculously low. Like, I think they're uh, way better than seven point nine. Seven point. There's a lot of folk who don't like this film, to be honest with you. But I think the vast majority of people, you know, um, do like the film. Because we didn't actually checked over the about the budget and what it what it made back and things it seemed to be that you know people went to the cinema to see this more than once because of how good it was um like paul must just have loads of fake accounts on imdb <laughs> yeah why he's got uh, loads of burner accounts on there and he's bringing, bringing that down hey <laughs> right, okay and um, so we are going to kind of talk about like talk about the characters first and foremost. Uh, like I say, I'm not going to break down the film scene by scene. I think you, what we we could maybe talk about the scenes later on. But I wanted to get into a bit of character development and how they perform the role um, of a few characters. Um, so I've got the main characters obviously written down as well. Um, I've spoke about um, the architect and. One guy I don't like, and what I wanted to hear your thoughts on him as well, was the the guy who owned the company, uh, White Starling Company. Right. Now, I, I want to come to him last. I think it's probably what we'll talk about first. I want to hear your thoughts on Rose. So Rose was played by um, Kate Winslet. So obviously her character was when she won the Best Actress for us, didn't she, in the Oscars? Um. And I absolutely agree with that. So, what is your take then on Rose? I'm going to say a full name here and then. So, it's Rose David Butaker. Is that correct? Yeah, I've got it written down as well. It's something like that. Obviously, right. there's, there's, there's two parts to Rose. So, there's obviously old Rose and, and younger Rose. So, wh- which one are we going for first? Well, we'll go. We'll go with young Rose. I think. See, at the very start of the film, you don't really know her at that stage, but. I didn't find her particularly likable at the start because you don't you don't really know that she's got this backstory of like her mother and her fiance being really controlling and the fact that she's like essentially willing to take her own life. But I think when she meets uh, Jack in the film, that's when her personality really comes out and she's got this kind of really free spirit. And it was just really nice, despite the chaos going around them, to see them having like such a great time. And I, I like that, like, say at the end of the film, she had a Ray Skywalker moment where she takes um, Jack's surname. And I like that she kind of lived out the life in a sense that they had wanted. And, and she's still quite, this is going forward to the older Rose, but she's still quite mischievous at the end when she she throws the the treasure into the, the ocean and she has a good laugh about that. And, um, you, you begin to feel really sorry for her, like her her mother and her fiance who both survived, which I did really angered me that they both survived. Um, they're just horrible, just the way they were controlling our life and how the mum was just so selfish. There was a there was a bit where she said something like, 
are they organizing the the boats by class or something like that um and the bit when she's about to jump off the boat was tragic that she was it seemed quite sudden as well that she was just at this stage where she was willing to jump off the boat rather than face her life but i don't really blame her because the fiance's i think he's one of like the biggest villains in movie history by the way me and alien both hate him with a passion i bet he's in um he is certainly a, a villain and a half um I wonder if, if Paul likes him or not. We want to find that. Maybe. <laughs> I'm jo- well, Paul does. jokes are you now. I'm, I'm, I'll stop moving the Paul jokes. Um, <laughs> so I, so I agree with you. Um, you know, she's kind of trapped. Rose is kind of trapped, isn't she? Because she's she's having well, having to kind of marry this guy because you know her mum and her her dad. I've lost the money really haven't they mm-hmm. well he's he's went away left the money and certainly she's got to marry cal played by billy zane to to try and bring their life back up to what it was because so, he, he comes he comes across as like he's different in front of like his friends and his peers it's when they're alone together that he's like at his worst i would say cal yeah Aye, aye, hundred percent. So, I so I think she kind of feels like she's, you know, she obviously she's wanted kind of wanting to kind of you know kill herself, um, throw herself off the boat because she just can't. She seems out of place with society, doesn't she? It's like it's not being in this kind of environment is day for her. She doesn't want to be you know suffocated and trapped being in this kind of upbringing. So much so that she wants to, you know, throw herself off the boat and things like that. So, I definitely something that you see Rosie's, Rosie's transformation because she, as she begins to meet Jack, you can see that you know she's becoming more of a free spirit and mm-hmm. just breaking that, breaking that kind of part of the the kind of upper class away, and she's. It's almost as if she wants to, you know, she was born to be with as that that you know Jack's class. She's born mm-hmm. to be that way. She that's what she wants to be. She doesn't want to be controlled. And Cal, obviously, and her mother as well. I'd say is are controlling parts of her life. It's, it's um, a strange film in a lot of ways because like it's so tragic and sad. But I feel like for like the first half of the runtime, it's really hopeful and fun and kind of it's quite a feel-good movie for the first half like people are just going on an adventure or this like big opportunity and it's it's such a a strange film in that way because it's one i really enjoy watching even though the subject matter is obviously serious and and sad at the same time can you imagine being part of you know being on the titanic though like when it was going to set off it was an adventure do you know what i mean it mm-hmm. was it's like this is like a massive, like a big kind of, oh, I want to say holiday as such, but it's you know it's this is a massive boat. It's going to it's going to New York, wasn't it? I think it was going. To, I think I read this as well. I could be wrong. So if anyone anyone out there who wants to correct me in this, then please do so. Was it going from? It left from Southampton. Yeah. And it, it was going. Did it go to Paris first, and then New York? I don't think it said that in the film, but I think I read mm. that they might have done that. 
I'm not sure. Do you hear a do you hear a fun fact? Yes. I, I've been to the Titanic Museum in Belfast. Right. Which is pretty cool. Like where, oh, where, right. so where I thought, I thought that story that no, it's just, it's just No, that's the story. Um oh, right. just thought it was relevant to the pod. That's fine. <laughs> um and you're sporting on island top as well, I see. Yeah, I got a wee fakey Northern Island top on for the podcast. <laughs> Northern Island there. Right, okay. So I went you said young Rose, so let's go and speak about old Rose then. Old Rose rather. Um so I've got I've got a few wee facts about her. So the right. the actress um Gloria can't be writing. Sure. Yes, that's it. She was in her 80s when they filmed this, so they actually used a lot of makeup to age her up, so she looked 100, which she was meant to be. And what was also quite interesting was that she, the actress, died when she was 100, which is the same age that Rose died in the film. Oh, a shame she died, but it's interesting. I was for, I actually forgot see, when I watched it that time around. I forgot that she actually dies at the end of the film, like warming her, well, warming her bed. Um, there's obviously uh, well, so much happening at the end. I'm going to come on to that at some point as well. Um, have you seen? I'm kind of going to be tangent. I'm going to go back onto characters in a minute, but I just we talk about the old, the older Rose. Have you seen the alternative ending to this film? I haven't. No. No. So, you now the ending, you know. Where she just kind of throws the heart of the ocean in the mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the scene where she jumps, she goes onto the the boat, and she was she's kind of leaning over it. And I, I thought uh, she was going to jump. Ah, uh, well, it's, so that it's the same scene, mm-hmm. but the the what's his name, Bill Paxton's character sees her and her granddaughter sees her, and they jump down to try and save her, and she turns around and she's got the heart of the ocean. In her hand, and then it's like Bill Paxton's character, I can't his name there, come to me. Um it's like don't don't throw it in the ocean and he get and he gets to hold it. And he gets to hold it. Cause she gives it to him to hold and then she takes it off him and throws it in the ocean again. And a wee can I we can I we laugh type <laughs> of thing. So that still happens, but you just see yeah. more of a connection between so he he sees the heart of the ocean, he sees the diamond, mm-hmm. and he's like, So he had it this full time, but she never told anyone. But yeah. he, he got to hold it. And I'm, I'm going to come on to the, the end of the film later on, but I just wanted to bring that up there now. I, I'm surprised that she kept it in some way because it was obviously given to her by her horrific fiance. So I don't know, I felt that maybe she would have wanted um, to, get, to get rid of it, but. That's what I'm going to come on to, man. So it's, it's the symbolism there, which I'm going to come on to, which I think, anyway. Right, so we'll probably jump back into it at some point. Um, next character, and since you like him so much, in fact, we'll go we'll go with Jack Dawson first. We'll go with Leo DiCaprio's character. What is your opinion of him? Leo's just the, the goat, isn't he? Nah, I like him, man. I know you're a big Leo fan with Shutter Island and... Don't know if we can review Wolf of Wall Street, but we could try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we get very far. We could review the the safe bits. Um, nah, he's just great. You forget how young he how young he looks. Like even Leo wouldn't date Leo in this film. That's oh, awesome. <laughs> excuse me. Um, um, he might be seventeen years old in the film. Uh, I don't buy it. Well, 
he does look young. But nah, he's just he's just great, isn't he? Um just from the first scene where he's playing cards just the whole way through the film and you just you can really relate to him. There's, there was a particular scene where he's sitting at the dinner table and I can't remember what the woman was called. What's her name? Is it Oh, it's Molly. Molly, yeah. I wrote down that Molly's really nice to him. I thought she was really kind. She was kind of looking out for him, giving him wee tips on how to fit in. Yes. Yeah, so sorry, sorry Colin, that was played by Kathy Bates. So mm-hmm. I so she was she was very kind to him. Yeah. What I, what I, the other thing I wrote down is Leo is me when I'm out for dinner. Like I never have a clue what all these fancy nice and forks are all about. So seeing actually, I'm going to go back to Molly in a second as well. But I, well, I'll go back to Molly now. So Molly was nice to Jack in my opinion because see Molly, she's different from the rest of them as well because Molly's from New Money. So the, mm-hmm. there's even though there's, there's classes and there's classes in the boat. There's classes within classes. So you've got mm-hmm. Cal and you've got, you know, Rosie's mother to her all basically from old old money. So the rich of the rich. So Molly's came in, she's of new money. And then even even within them, there's class divisions. Yeah. Um, and you've seen when Jack so see when Jack and Rose have the spitting contest over the boat, mm-hmm. and then when they turn around and Jack's got spit on his face. Uh-huh. So that was when she had a kind of Molly knew that Cal was an idiot. There's a lot better words you can use, but we can't use them for these podcasts. But certainly, um, she knew that really that Jack was meant to be the one for her. Do you know what I mean? That was that was quite clear, and she helped him kind of um, get dressed and helped him with his, his class and how he eat properly and all the rest of it so it was nice something i came across was the there was quite a few improvised scene or bits in the film the spitting scene was totally improvised right and there was another one see the line about so see at the end of the film when rose is saying like this is where we first met so kate winslet um improvised that scene as well and there was quite a few lines throughout the film I thought were quite funny. There was one about Freud and there was one about Picasso. Aye, that's right. What, what was it was actually said? I wrote it down. Uh, there's there's a lot of good lines in this film. It would be cool to cover some of them. So it's, art- wrote, uh, it's about the artwork. It's like something Picasso. Like basically, like, who's that? Or he's never going to mint to anything or something like he's that. Trying, he's not going to make it, aye. Uh, they were quite funny. And then at the table, she spoke about Freud to the boy Bruce Ismay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he's like Freud. Is he one of the passengers? So it's like I so. <laughs> so I, I really like Jack. Um, you know, he's, he's I've, I've written in free spirit. Um, he's you know, I like the way that he wins the ticket at the poker match. Mm-hmm. Um, he he, you already get a ta- an attachment to Jack because you mm-hmm. he, he's so happy. He says he's going home back to back to America and he. You kind of feel attached to him, um. So yeah, Lee was a man, isn't he? Lee was the man. Yeah. What What's your take on the whole uh, Ace Bird? Do you think she Do you think she could have let him up, or the raft, or whatever they're on? Do you think she could have let him up and left, instead of leaving them in the water? On the door. Um, <laughs> nah, man. I think that the it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have physics. 
They're both sank, surely. He was being chivalrous. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't think that. Jack would have meant to have died at that point. He, he was he was he was saving those. He wasn't saving himself. Do you know? I saw somewhere that there was a J, not necessarily a Jack, but there was a J Dawson that was on the Titanic. All right. Which, because um, I think Jack and Rose, well, I think Jack particularly wasn't meant to be like a real person, but I think Rose was loosely based off of a real person. Um, because there was a somebody called Rosalie Ida Strauss, I think it was. Um, she was basically like a real life survivor. She was offered, well, not survivor. She was offered the chance. No, she was a survivor. She was offered the chance to go in one of the boats, but she refused because she wanted to stay with her husband. And apparently, she used the line like, "Where you go, I go," which they then took into the film. That's right. Aye. My sovereign here is I. It's like his selflessness and him saving them, him saving Rose rather than himself shows he's he's that he loves her and basically he's a heel to Rose and he's a heel mm. to us as well. Do you know what I mean? It was such a sad moment when he when you could see him just kind of drowning and obviously he died by that point anyway and she had to get him off so she could save herself. But that was his his what he wanted. He wanted her to go and live a life and be a, a free spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what he wanted, and and that's what he got. Which I'll come on to again. So, can I, can, I, can you talk a bit more about Jack? We'll, go on, we'll probably go into more anyway when we talk about scenes. But we've got a couple more characters to go on. I don't want to spend too long on them. But Cal Hotley, Colin, what is your take on him? One of your No, just. Oh, I just I just hate them. There's just so many bits like from like pushing people off the like the boat. I actually forgot. I actually forgot the part where he's running about trying to shoot Jack as well. Aye, he's just, he's just horrible for the film. Like the fact he survived and the fact um, Rose's mum survived like does really anger me. Um, he's just so sexist, abusive, uh, controlling. You name it. He's he's ticked he's ticked them all off. Yes. Um, nah, it's, but he's obviously it's a great performance by the the actor. To so you hate him that much, you know what I mean? Well, that's it. He's he's done his job, hasn't he? So mm-hmm. I've said that uh, he's the he's he's so possessive. He's control. He's, he's he manipulates people for his own benefit. And when he does at the end as well, he goes in that boat. He you know, did he not take the child as well? Steals and, a baby or something? Yeah, he's. Uh, he's <laughs> He's a baby stealer, you know what I mean? He's he's, uh, he's he's ticked them all off, man. He's got no redeeming qualities. No. Yeah. I know we said we wouldn't rip Paul anymore, but I've got one more. I know who Paul's favourite character in the film is. Cal? The iceberg. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. Aye, that's the iceberg's favourite character. Done now. Oh, good. Um... Ah, he's just a total bad guy, isn't he, man? He's, he's probably, you know, he probably is why the the the, the main, one of the biggest villains in film film history. He's worse than Umbridge. He's worse than Vader. He's even worse than the the hunter that shot Bambi, <laughs> as well. 
Yeah, he's not. Nah. Don't know. Um, but he did. Well, you hear it near the end of the film that he suffered during the financial crisis and took his own life. The Wall Street uh, which, which Rose seemed Rose seemed quite happy about. Well, um, she appeared to be. Yeah. So I don't like him either as well. Um, what was that said here? The mum's just as bad, Rose's mum, by the way. I know, I, I didn't want to go into too much detail with all the characters. We could be here all day with them, but um, we'll move on then. So, again, we'll, we'll come back to some of the scenes that these people are in anyway. But Thomas Andrews, who's the architect, who, who don't really have a big role as such, but an important mm. one, I thought. Yeah, obviously they're just, it's basically just like, you know, the phrase like fat, fat cats, all these rich people, they're just, they're so proud of what they've, constructed and they're just boasting who was who the character that was wanting them to go like as fast as they can to create headlines was that him or was that someone else remember there was somebody who was talking about them making the journey as quick as possible to like show like how great the titanic is it's bruce is me that is that's the guy that's the that's the, uh, the new ones the company yeah so i don't I don't really recall too much about his character because there was a few characters like similar to him that were involved. There was also the, the captain as well. The, you don't see too much of them, but it was a. I they're just they, obviously we as the viewer know what's going to happen, so it's quite interesting hearing them boasting about how like unsinkable the ship is. And do you not realize looking back on it how many times they mentioned? Like icebergs were mentioned, like, oh, I'm keeping an eye out for this, or uh, it, it came up quite a lot. I've got that in my foreshadowing, but so I'll come on to that mm-hmm. one. The architect, uh, um, very minimal part, I think, but I think he's important. He's got a very, he's got a presence about him, um, quite a silent guy, but I think whenever, see, whenever he speaks, you listen to him. Mm-hmm. You no, know? it's that way. This guy, he's so. So intelligent, he, he you know he built this. It was his kind of you know his blueprints and made it all. And and he, I've said here as well that he was he takes great pride in his construction of the ship, and he was one that went. He he kind of didn't say it outright, but he was one of the ones that kind of advocated advocated the right word, um, yep. unsinkability of it. Um, mm-hmm. And he was kind of buying into that. So Bruce Ismay, who he was the guy who you know, owned the company, who you know put the the money into the Titanic. He was piloting this as to be, you know, this this ship was unsinkable. It's you know all the rest of it. And he was kind of buying into that, probably because basically he was getting paid to kind of be the architect of it. Oh, I think he was just kind of buying into that. But what I liked about this guy was. He seemed to remember everybody's name. There's a bit in the film where Jack is trying to get into the, I think it's the, the oh, I say canteen, whatever, do you know what I mean? But, and he meets the guy, he meets the architect, Thomas, and he goes, because he just met him the night before. But Jack is a nobody. Really mm-hmm. cool. And he, and he says, oh, hi, Jack, how you doing? Whatever, and he's looking for Rose, and he says he's, she's in there or whatever. Any other any other person within that would, would never remember his name, but mm-hmm. he did. He he had the time for that, and I think it just goes a wee uh, 
a long way, certainly. So I quite liked him. There's a bit in the in the bit in the film as well where um it's like this the ship this ship can't sink. And he goes, Well, I think you I think you'll find it's made of iron. It's very much sinkable. So he's once went from it's unsinkable to okay, as it, it, it can sink, it's made of iron. Of course it can. And then he says the words as well, and I've written this down mathematical certainty is what he says. It's a mathematical certainty that this shit is gonna sink. No, that's not very reassuring, is it? No. I'm just thinking there like I think you said you saw it in the cinema. I think I just saw it on the TV in the house, but no, this would have been a, that, I thought you said that earlier. And um, this would have been a great film to see in the cinema. Imagine this on a like a, the big like IMAX. It'd be incredible. It, but is it for Valentine's Day? I think. Well, the, I don't know actually if it was. But mm. uh, anyway, what the last character Bruce says me um, was the. The managing director of White Star Line Company that owned the Titanic. He was a very wealthy man, influential figure, um, and he was the epitome of success. Um, this guy, I don't know if you paid attention to this guy. This guy was who this guy um I had his name a minute ago. Have you seen Jumanji? The original. Yeah, not New Year's, but yeah. So he's played by Jonathan Hyde, who played um, Alan Parrish's father. Jonathan um, Hyde sounds familiar. So he played, um, I'm sure he played, uh, what's his name? Alan Parrish's dad in Jumanji. Right. He played The Hunter as well. In it. So uh, he's in, that's where I recognised him from. I was last guy, that guy mm-hmm. in Jumanji. Richie Rich as well. Oh, so he is, aye. Um, this guy, he was, uh, he was, uh, Again, he's in our band. who's like a, a wee rat. I mean, on the boat. Uh, at the end, he he's just he just care about Andy. Other mm. than his company and money, he was I just didn't like him. And he was he was the guy who didn't know who Sigmund Freud was. Mm. Um, There's a lot of um, it's a big theme of the film, isn't it? The whole kind of class divide and the rich versus the poor and and all these things. Absolutely, hundred percent. Um right, okay, so let's move on. And can we talk about your favourite scenes in the film? Hmm, scenes. I've got loads of like I don't know if we're gonna to come to this, but I've got loads of quotes and um, just ones I picked out that I thought were particularly good or memorable. Well um, we, can, we can kind of filter in the quotes to to the to well, the scene. Yeah. There's a uh I think when I think a good scenes when old Rose is taken to um see the the painting which she claims is her. Uh-huh. Um, and she's saying that like, she hadn't seen it in years and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's quite an emotional moment. She's obviously seen something she's not seen in like kind of eighty odd years. And um she says that the woman in the picture is me and then she, one of the lines she says is, wasn't I a dish? That's right. Wasn't I a dish? That's right, I yes. Thought, I thought Old Rose was pretty humorous. Um, I think I think some of the best scenes are actually Old Rose for me, to be honest. See the scene at the very end when she's kind of talking about Jack and how she's never spoken about him to anyone 
and I really liked the line, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was all about he saved me in every way that a person can be saved, which is true physically from jumping off the boat, but also kind of giving her her life again and a bit of fun uh, before he ultimately perished. But I think uh, Old Rose's scenes are are some of the best in the film. I think she comes out with some really good good heartfelt quotes as well. Aye. Um, well, I'll kind of follow on then. I'll, I, I, the, the closing shot for me, right? So just could just look at Old Rose there. Um, but I've got quite a few iconic scenes, but this one I'm going to say since we're kind of following on. So I've said, see, as she dies at the end, um, the whole scene where you kind of, you kind of see the kind of like kind of passing through the shipwreck and it's the images of the Titanic and all that. And it's the, it's when she is re, re when the camera comes back out again, it's she reunited with, with Jan mm-hmm. um, and the grand, grand the staircase, which is a, yeah. a, a, a prominent figure rather. Um, so she's with Jack in the afterlife. Um, Purgatory is very lost light, wasn't it? Aye, uh, that's right. Um, so that was a lovely moment. Do you know what I mean it's they've been there waiting for her all that time? Um, so I've said, it's a, it's a, I've said the, the scenes are a mind of of love and legacy. Um, so Do you think also that her time in the Titanic with Jack was like probably like some of the happiest times of her life because she'd such had such a like controlled sad life before that so do you think that's why she went there in the afterlife specifically to the titanic even Possibly. even just even despite the the tragedy that well that's it i mean she was willing to to die there with jack mm-hmm. she, could have, she, she could have left in the boat um before but she chose to stay with jack mm-hmm. so i think that we, from that knowing that that she would have definitely um have always been back there because it was one of the happiest times of life um, mm-hmm. because she was in my opinion she was released from that kind of con- she was being controlled and she's now the free spirit like Jack is and that's just what she's always wanted to be so I uh, definitely um, it's quite a sad film isn't it at the end when you see that it's... yeah it's very powerful though um, I think that's what really adds to the rewatchability is those really powerful scenes and I didn't realise that the song, uh, the Celine Dion song, I didn't realise that that was explicitly written for the film. I, I just assumed it was a film that, a song, a beloved song from the 90s that was in this, but it was actually written by Celine Dion for the film. Aye. That's right. Um, any other ones you might... You got to uh, the absolute, probably most iconic scene is obviously the uh, is it I'm King of the World? Uh, it's the first one I've written down. That's just such a, it's just such a feel good. Like I don't particularly like water, so I wouldn't have been too pleased being up close to the boat um, at the front. But um, it's it's a really kind of classic scene, and obviously his kiss with Rose at the front of the boat is probably like the most iconic romantic scene in movie history. Possibly, I don't think I can think of anything more memorable and a kind of romance setting in a film than that no, i don't know myself it's certainly I'm one sure. that, certainly one that comes to mind there's a really funny scene it's not um I, I hadn't really noticed it before but you know when the oh 
under like really kind of minor characters but great characters is the the violin players uh, how they're just they just keep they just keep going to the very end but there, there's a there's a bit where oh, what's what's the words they use it's been a pleasure playing for you gentlemen this evening or something uh-huh, right at the end and it, when i heard that it, it triggered something in me and i remembered at the start which is something we're reviewing in march actually um at the start of the simpsons movie when green day are playing <laughs> and and the the barge essentially breaks in half like the titanic which i never really thought of before but the members of green day actually quote that line uh when they're, they're kind of riding away okay oh, <laughs> well, at the end of it it's like they just they're just playing the violin and they're like it's been a pleasure playing for you guys this evening <laughs> <laughs> no I, I can't remember that one at all see i'm gonna go back to the, the and the king of the world one so i've written down here as well see before he gets to that point king, king of the world it's quite a good kind of montage there they're running through the boat to get to mm-hmm. the end of there and i've said you could when you're going through the boat you see the different types of people who are on the boat you can see that at the start anyway when they go when they board it but when they're running through the boat you can see the different classes uh, within the ship it's when the good camera shots are that um and of course i'm king of the world it's the it's definitely an iconic scene um another one which i'll probably come on to um you cannot cannot not see this so <laughs> jack i want you to draw me like one of your french girls <laughs> that's the that's one of the iconic scenes i'm just waiting for the the podcast <laughs> image to be james lying on a on a couch You've offended Paul the most in this one, after me, so it's... <laughs> it's seismic cinema tradition. We make fun of the person who's not here. <laughs> well, well, I didn't get it last week. I'm going to say when you did Show the Dead, so... You probably did at some point. <laughs> uh, you said I got killed with zombies. No, that's aye. Yeah. Um, aye, so... He's drawing me like one of your French girls. So, obviously, that... I've said here that it's a pivotal moment in relationship because it shows a growing intimacy and connection mm. so that was always an iconic bit for that moment for them to go mm-hmm. closer together there's a bit earlier where he's shown all his paintings drawings in his scrapbook there's uh-huh. a fun i don't know if you know this one but it's quite a fun one uh, james cameron has a cameo as like one of the hands turning the pages all oh, right, I know he was, in, he was something else as well, I'm sure. He does. I think I he does a, a voice over the tannoy at one point. Uh, but he it's his it's James Cameron's hand when they're kind of turning through, but because he was right. left-handed, they had to use some kind of trick to reflect it, mm-hmm. um, which was quite cool. The, the biggest, the coolest facts I found out about this film... Um, oh, actually... We can finish this section, but there's two things I really want to talk about. Okay. At some point. I don't know whether an hour or later is a better time. I think the iconic scene, I think, is the the sinking of the boat. Is that what you no. want to talk about? Kind of. Oh, well, well, let's, let's, let's put it in. Let's just fit it in there. We'll... Right. So, Before you forget. There's, there's two things. Um... I don't know if it was done intentionally because 
there was a lot of edits done to the film but two hours and 40 minutes of the film is the start of the sinking to the end of the sinking and apparently that's the length of time the actual titanic took to sink from hitting the iceberg which i thought was really cool and the collision in the movie with the iceberg takes 37 seconds which apparently is what happened in real life as well so i thought Mm -hmm. that was really cool whether intentional or unintentional but the, the the coolest thing i think for me is half of this film is basically happy go lucky adventure and then the other half is like drama and like misery but i kind of feel like the the boat do you know how the, the boat kind of breaks in half and there's a whole thing that it goes down uh-huh. and they talked about it in the film yeah and um, i feel like the boat splitting in half is like symbolic of the movie splitting in two oh, really? like half of the runtime as i said is so happy and full of joy and the other half is just so full of sadness i just kind of saw that kind of symbolism in the film i don't know if that was something you picked up on no, I think I didn't pick up on that at all. To be honest, I might, I might then, be talking nonsense, but to me, it made sense that there is like a real split in terms of the mood from one half and, to the next. And if that actually happened, didn't it as well? Mm-hmm. So, but I suppose they couldn't actually have the film all doing gloom. Do you know what I mean? They had to have some kind of story <laughs> in the film to engage the audience, and that was obviously the, the people. People would have been excited. Like if I was in 1912 and I was going on, I'd be excited. Like we've got a, a paddle steamer that comes to Dunoon, the Waverley, and I got tickets for it as a wedding present. But then on the day, the weather called it off. But I kind of felt like I was about to go on the Titanic, hopefully minus the 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 accident. No, I don't mean. I don't mean. I, uh, I, mean I mean in terms of film. So no, I just I just mean. It was like that because, like, that's probably what it was like. The people who uh, were going on it would have been really upbeat and excited, so it probably reflected what was happening. So, see the the, the actual scenes when the, the Titanic was sinking, I thought they were brilliant. Like, mm. you see the water coming through. Like, I just can't imagine being on that, and it was so harrowing. Like, yeah. There's scenes in that in that film, see with the mother with the the two kids in the bed and mm. they're going to go to sleep and knowing her knowing that they won't wake up. Man, it's 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 heartbreaking. I thought the one where you know the bit where loads of them land in the water and they're all just like proper freaking out. I thought that one was really uh, chilling, and also the one where they discover all the the dead bodies like frozen solid. Aye, uh, um, those were quite. Tough, tough scenes to watch. Is it the what's the boat that comes and saves them at the Carpathia? Mm, I'm not sure. So, but that scene, that boat comes at the end. You can and the camera pans out and you can see the the bodies all frozen. Mm. You're saying, man, it's like uh, it's just it's oh man, it's, like, I, I just can't imagine what people's families would have been like at the time. And I know it's like. We are kind of going that journey with them to t- through the Titanic, aren't we? Because we are, we are, we are Leo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. we are Rose, and we are, you know, we're happy, we're, it's all fun, but then we're, we're still Leo and we're still Rose in this, you know, the, the Titanic sinking and doing what they're doing. And it's, uh, it's, 
and Leo gets a, a, a rough time getting chained to the to the pole as well. Mm-hmm. And I think um, visceral is a really good word for this. Like I feel like you actually feel like you're in the water with them, as you said, and uh, uh, you're kind of clinging on. Um, also, there's the part where it starts to like you'll appreciate this from a filmmaking point of view. As the boat's sinking more, the camera's very squint a lot of the uh, time. That's right. And the boat obviously starts to go um, vertical, and it's that I found that bit really chilling. When the how do you best describe him? The is there a was he reverend? He starts like saying all the kind of aye. The kind of prayers and stuff. There was a, a line I thought was really good. Um, he's saying one of the characters is saying something about kind of walking through the. Oh, where is it? I've written it down somewhere. Through this. He's like, I'm walking through this something, and then Leo says, "Hurry up" or something like that. What was the exact wording? Not sure. I really want to find this bit now because it was really funny. Oh, I was through the valley of death, and Leo said, You want to walk a little faster through that valley? Oh, aye, aye. Through <laughs> it, yeah, of death, aye. Uh, there's, there's some good lines, and um, there's quite a good bit of humor in the film, actually, even in the the kind of dire the dire moments. Aye, is there other scenes you want to take a men will see you want to talk about? Let's uh, try to think. It's obviously the the scene at the kind of kind of Kaylee kind of Kaylee music ah, yes. as well. Yeah. I wrote down I would rather be at that than at the fancy dinner. Like, I love that kind of music. So, Aye. do you want to go to a real party? <laughs> so that was good. That was a uh, that was a uh, diegetic music, wasn't it? Yeah, because they, they were actually playing this music in the scene and they were dancing yeah. to it and all that sort of thing. I'm glad you're here to get the right word. Something I wrote down was quite funny. Was the uh, there? There's some lads playing football with the ice. That's, 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 right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I'm just we're just going to spin through. Uh, there's a bit at the very start of the film over the radio when Old Rose is there, and it says nobility of the band playing, like playing to the end or something like that. So we're also talking about the violin players. Oh yes, that was mentioned at the start. Uh, Rose brings her goldfish along with her Aye. on the trip. <laughs> she packed that's right. She put out all, all the stuff a dog, a goldfish. Yeah. Aye. Oh, did you notice the Easter egg with the, you know, the car, the famous car? Hmm. You know, that's the car that Rose and uh, Jack are intimate in. Oh, uh, yep. Do you know you see that getting lifted onto the boat at the start of the film? Oh, do you? When when all the the guests are getting on? No, I didn't know. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's you only see it for like a few seconds, but um, you notice it getting lifted on. All right. Um, um else I got to skim through because I did make quite a few notes this time round. I did like the scenes when it, when they kind of cut back to the present day. And you had Bill Paxton and all his wee kind of mm. his wee lackeys there with him and the kind of wee scientist guys. I like how they were Bill Paxton was, was all right with it. I think he was kind of wanting to know the story, but the other ones were quite skeptical. 
And when it cut back to them, they were like pure on the edge of their seats listening to the story. And then it cut back to them again. And mm. they all had tears in their eyes. Like every one of them would tell them their story. And they were all crying. And that probably was a, a reflection on what we were as viewers as well, because we were all immersed in this story. Mm. Not just, no, no, just a character. Uh, so they're, they're, they're the audience, really? Aye, they're the audience. Because so, the, the, the guy, the kind of nerdy guy, was um, he was very, like, doubtful. Oh, he was. He was sceptical the whole thing. About, yeah. um, whether that was her or not. Because like, uh, he was saying that... Um, he did his homework because she, she changed her name, didn't she? Mm-hmm. So there was no Rose Dawson on the, on the boat. Yeah, maybe right. Think she just, I think she just wanted to keep that, like as she said, she never told anyone about Jack, so she just no. wanted to kind of keep that all to herself. No. Um, did you did you hear about James Cameron? Like the depth, the depths, pun not intended, that he went to 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 make this film. I know he he was on like the. The weekend or submersible, wasn't he? He did it a few mm-hmm. times and he took all the shots and stuff. So that's that's commitment to his cause. See that he, he mm-hmm. went to, to, to do it, man. Because I, I made, don't know, I don't fancy doing that that that, that journey down there. I made a note that there's he did it twelve times. Aye, he went aye. down twelve times. And um, I was actually going to ask you about that. It's like i'm not a big fan of water like i can swim but i don't i don't like submerge. i think it's because i've always worn glasses or contact lenses i don't particularly like going underwater but and i wouldn't do it because i think it'd be very claustrophobic being in a submersible but how you can kind of understand why people would do it though that it, like seeing that would be like incredible i would rather see it from my tv but you can kind of understand it but obviously there was a lot of controversy about that situation that happened last year in terms of like whether people should be doing that and all these kind of things as well. No. Um, I mean, as long as the, the the ability to get there is available, there's always people who would pay the money to do it. You know what I mean? And like people are genuine Titanic enthusiasts, I mean, who are so yeah. into it and I mean, who's to tell them not not to mm. to have, you know to not like that sort of thing? I'm not um, on that level, but I must admit I do find the whole thing pretty fascinating. I sort of like kind of morbid curiosity kind of way. It's just that I, I mean, you have to put the money to be doing that anyway in the first place. I think but, um, the fact the wreckage is just still there, just sitting there, and like this actually happened. I think that for me is what elevates the film. It makes it that much more kind of memorable. I know, definitely. Um, I don't mind the water, to be fair, but certainly uh, I don't see myself going down that deep. To, mm, to... That freaks that freaks me out, the thought of it, to be honest, yeah. being in that, those submersible things. Nah, I don't fancy it. No. Um, foreshadowing. So I know time's ticking when I'm here, here, but we'll try and get through as, as best we can. So I've got the there's references to the Titanic's unsinkability throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Characters who repeat and refer to the Titanic as unsinkable. Um and it's just overconfidence that it's it could, you know, cut through any iceberg. Um 
or anything that hits really, but it obviously does hit an iceberg. And as you will lead to it, start start of the pod, there is references through the whole film about iceberg warnings. Mm-hmm. Um, crew members discuss iceberg warnings from other ships, but it's downplayed because they're confident they can navigate through the water safely. Um, but they sped up, didn't they? As well, they, they were they, they go they went faster, which meant that they were, if they seen an iceberg, it would be impossible to slow down, and that's what happened. It's, it's crazy, like. The ocean's obviously massive, though, and although icebergs are big, it's it's like they had so much, there's so much of the water they could have been in, and they just happened to be in that one area. It's also crazy how much damage the ice, although the size of the Titanic, the, the damage that it causes is crazy. And obviously, it's staggered. It doesn't just like sink it there and then. It's obviously two hours and forty minutes until it actually goes down. I know they're saying if the, if the Titanic hit the iceberg straight ahead it, it would be fine but because mm-hmm. it it, it kind of because it moved to the side it, it kind of like scuffed it mm-hmm. and it's kind of scraped it and it's obviously no scraped it as such but you know it's done a lot more damage doing that than it would have if you just cut right through it yeah um, but aye uh, that's obviously and i want to pay homage actually to uh, the my screen name captain eddie smith Mm-hmm. They went down with the Titanic. He was a an icy character. There's Fingy. Is there Captain Murdoch as well? Captain Murdoch. Is, is, is he a captain? I just remember the name Murdoch. Murdoch. Iceberg right ahead. <laughs> um, other um, foreshadowing in it. Jack Sketches apparently it says here that um, Jack Sketches throughout the film includes several drawings of Rose. Often depicting the surrounding water or football, so that yeah, so the water in the Rosie's picture is the it's kind of sensing towards what will happen at the end, and the what and the water kind of threatens their, their relationship. Yeah, how crazy are those scenes? See, when you see like you see the like the kind of fine china and the, the fancy tables and the bar. In 1912, and then you go forward in time, and you see it all destroyed and underwater, and it kind of cuts yeah. between them. It's it's just it's crazy, just how glitzy and glamorous it was, and how it's just a shipwreck. Now it's crazy. You know, it's it's can I imagine? You know what I mean? Like all that, how expensive it must have been to to even produce that. Mm. You know what I mean? There was a bit, there was some of the, there was some dialogue from real survivors that was used in this apparently, uh, like kind of young children that survive and there's a line, it's only for a little while, was apparently something that was said to one of the survivors and something about mummy, hold mummy something and be a good girl or something like that and they were both things that were apparently said to to like kids that survived the 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 disaster and it was worked into the film. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, well, I want to talk about um, the cinematography 
and the visual effects before we do wrap up, man, because I want to get your your thoughts on the the visual aspect, visual effects, and the, the kind of practical effects of the film, man. What do you think? I thought it looked, I thought it looked really good. Like as you said, when the the boat's actually kind of crumbling and sinking, it just it looks amazing. Like it's how almost thirty years old, the movie. Oh. It's funny there was there was one scene that I right away knew there was something wrong. It's the scene when Rose and Jack are running down the corridor when like they're kind of waist deep in the water, and I was like, their faces look really weird. So I was I was listening to a review on YouTube and it confirmed it. So it was stunt doubles and they superimposed their faces back over them. I don't know if you know the scene I mean. They're running right towards the camera. Oh, yeah, yeah. And their, their faces look a bit weird. Um, it's not a criticism. It was just something I noticed. I thought it was quite funny. Is that the same bit where they kind of get to the, to the, the door? It's kind of like an old uh, and uh, the guys the, And the guys try to let them through with the key and he uh-huh. drops it it's around about that time yeah oh yeah that's right so, it is. so I, I just looked i was like their faces look really weird <laughs> and then it, it turns out it was um superimposed aye but yeah um, the film the film looks great uh the whole way through and it's it holds up i think this is a i think this is a film that that'll last forever aye. I, I don't i don't really see this being a film that disappears from the the kind of the public public obsession absolutely man it's you know what it's like the get to the is the, the staircase the, you know all that sort of stuff man we've got the the sinking of the ship there's not i don't think it will hold up uh i gotta got agree with you man it will last forever uh, just the story of the titanic you know will make people watch this film and it was just uh, I, I don't have a bad word to say about it, man. To be honest with you, I think mm-hmm. there's a couple of skits CGI at the start, man. Because when, when you see the 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 camera panning to see the, all the people in the boat, it kind of cuts from yeah, it's quite obvious now. It kind of cuts from being real people to kind of like almost like kind of Sims characters. I don't know if you noticed that or not. So it kind of, no, I didn't it kind of cuts to like kind of as if they're like kind of Sims characters, um, which is fine. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's you don't see it that it's quite quick. Yeah. It's a uh, really probably the really the kind of best scenes of the film is when you see the tragedy happen in in and you see the water coming in even down in the down the the boat with the boat boat with the ship and you know they get the kind of furnaces and stuff like that you know what i mean that, that's all getting flooded the chambers are being flooded and you can just see the water because it shows you at the start of the film we get the kind of geeky guy with bill paxton and he shows you the water coming out mm-hmm. of the boat and how how man as you say half and two and you see that it's incremental as well like you just there's just you can like remember the film by where the water's at and the kind of water levels and it's, I think it's a really well-paced film. Like I think, considering it's three hours and 15 minutes long, I don't think there's any aspects that drag or slow down or you lose interest. I feel like it's a film I'm engaged with from the start to the very end. Aye, 100%. There was a bit about, um there was loads of like extras for like, people on the boat or people that were drowning or whatever. 
And uh, again, it talks about how much James Cameron put into this film that he apparently met with like a hundred extras, and he gave them all like a kind of kind of backing story for their character, like in terms of like a lot of them would have been maybe like based off real life people as well. Uh, I I really like James Cameron, man. Um, I watched a uh, an interview with him recently. He was like something Disney Channel or something, man. I think he's, he's a genuine guy, you know. He's mm-hmm. Um, people should be thankful that he done he done this film because I think it's important that something like this was recognised. There be people who who watch this on watch this on YouTube probably you know or masses of fans and stuff who think and they don't like this film. That's fine. I mean, people are allowed to not like films. People are allowed to, allowed to like films, but people are also allowed to recognise important events in history. Which is a massive part of this film, and you know what I mean. So, uh, what what don't people like about it? That's that's what I'm quite curious to know. I, don't I, can't know really, I can't really think what it would be specifically. I don't know, but it's, it's, like you say, seven point nine on IMDb. Mm. So, obviously, there are other uh, movie reviews Paul's out there. <laughs> no, we should do. We should review Paul the film. And <laughs> We talked about that when we were reviewing Shaun of the Dead, which nice. is on YouTube, folks. Check it out. Um, we were talking about reviewing Paul, because me and Paul, and it sounds like you as well, like that film. Oh, that's, that's a great, great film. Anyway, I'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to, any more you want to say about the film, man? Because I'm kind of conscious of the time now, mate. And um, I think we've kind of covered a lot of ground, to be honest, in terms of the favourite lines, scenes, characters, foreshadowing. Uh, Easter eggs, um, just if it ever comes out in the cinema, I'd love to go see it. <laughs> That's about it, really. Um, at some point, be interested to hear what your your seismic score will be. Seismic stars, seismic stars. Well, since I'm hosting today, Colin, I'm going to give you the opportunity to go first. What is your seismic star? I do. I know it's our own thing that we made up. But it's um, it is quite difficult because as as people who listen regularly know, we don't we're not ranking against every other film ever. But I think this film would come out quite strongly in that regard. It's as an individual film, and I'm very prone to giving tens. But if I'm being completely honest, in terms of cinematography, action, dialogue, stakes, humor, happiness, sadness. I think it has to be a ten, to be honest. For me, like I, I can't really pinpoint other films we've reviewed. There, there are things we're not as keen on, but I can't really see any weaknesses in this, to be honest. So, I am going to give it ten seismic stars. Mm-hmm. Why I'm feeling regretful about that, but I'm just going to go. Take offence yourself. Um, listen, see if I was watching this as my, you know. Was twelve year old self when this came out. Um, I, I would be watching the film like this is, you know, kind of lovey dovey type thing, without recognizing the events. You know, at the time, um, mm-hmm. I think, I, I think I gave us a nine before. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, it's funny when you start to talk about films again and you. You realise how good certain acting was, how good the, the the visual effects are, cinematography, 
and all that sort of stuff, man. So for that reason, I'm going to agree with you, mate. I'm going to go 10 as well. Full house. Um, it's hard, though, because like, I think we, we joke about the fact that sometimes like you'll give things 10s, I'll give things 10s, but I think on the whole we are quite balanced. I like to think we're balanced and that if there are genuine things to criticise, we will criticise them or mention them. Uh-huh. But I, I just I just honestly can't really think of anything um, that I think is weak or could be better. If I did have a criticism of it, it would be the song My Heart Will Go On. I don't particularly like it. But I understand that's why it's used. That's a, that's a hot date. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I, understand, I understand why it's used, right? So I don't, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. Um, I think it's really powerful at the end. Well, like, see the very end, like when they're in the water. Like, I think it's really strong at like, that point. No, of course. Yeah. My personal great for the song, just the impact, the, how strong, how, you know. Mm-hmm. As for the film, you know what I mean? How powerful it is. I don't know, can't you can't take that away. Um but aye man, that's ten out of ten, man. I thought I was my twelve year old self would say that when it came out, but like you say, I'm really glad to have reviewed this because um as I said, me and Paul wanted to review this a year ago and Paul conveniently so I can't even remember why we didn't do it, but I am glad. Um, I'm glad to get this one under the belt. So what happened? So Paul's agreed to do this in the past, and then he's he's, he's wimped out twice. It seems he said he was gonna. What, what was he doing? Did his hair or something tonight, or was it just um, uh, pulling a sickie? But anyway, he basically then admitted that he didn't like it and didn't show. So. If he's here for seismic soccer next week, um, then we may maybe grill at that point. Who's hosting seismic soccer? Is it me? Uh, well, Gary talked about maybe taking a wee go, um, okay. or we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Okay. Um, well, so, so before we wrap up, then, so that's us done. Titanic, nineteen eighty-seven. So, if you have any thoughts, opinions, comments on anything we've discussed, then please feel free to comment on YouTube. Um, on Spotify as well, we'd like to hear your thoughts on what we think of the film. So, yeah, all good, man. So, um, before before we did this today, I should have done it at the start, Colin, but I'm doing it at the end. We last week, um, Colin and Paul, and who was it from together? Marie. Marie. Sorry, Marie. Um, I was eight by a zombie, so I'm just starting to get my memory back. <laughs> um, Marie from Two Girls One Reusable Cup. I got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, reviewed Shaun of the Dead, an all time classic. I was gutted I couldn't make it, but yeah, it was a, it was a good one. Aye, right, a good one. Um, I was gutted one because I was just dackered last week, man. I just couldn't do yeah. it. I feel got to take breaks sometimes, and I was hanging out with the, the guys, the, the undead duo, Kenny That's Guppy right. and Jake C. Young, talking about their movie The Dark Room, which I really enjoyed. And the episode will be dropping tomorrow. Although by the time you listen to this, it'll already be there. So go check it out. Aye. So I'm looking forward to that, Colin. So again, that's another one I didn't show for. It was just a uh, sleepy Can't time. Aye. So mm-hmm. I'm back to the other night. So next week, as Colin already said, we are Seismic Soccer 6. Is that right? I thought it was 5. Is it 5? 
<laughs> I feel like every time we do one, we... Uh, I'm sure it's six. It's five. It's five. Mm-hmm. Right, Celtic Soccer five. Um, and, yeah, so if you have, if you are, want to listen to so I just ramble on about football, then please check us out. If you want to kind of discuss any topics in football, again, drop us a message and we'll consider that topic. Um, also want to give a wee shout out to Casting Views. i done a guest appearance on their episode, The Black Museum, which was a, it was a fun episode. I listened back to it. I um, quite enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it, Colin? Yeah, I haven't listened. I'll be honest, I haven't listened to the full thing yet, but I did listen to about half of it. Um, and I've joined the club because I did my one of uh, San Junipero with the same same peeps. Yeah, man. So, although San Junipero wasn't my one of my favourites, man, but it's uh, too 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 nice. I like the dark dystopian ones, man. It's the first so, one I ever saw. It's got um, nostalgia. Aye, aye, aye. So the guys, um, Dan S and Dan P, were all good there, man. So thanks for having having me on, folks. Um, so if you like Black Mirror, then please check out Casting Views, man, because they are top drawer. Okay. Good guys. And there you go. We believe in the power of escapism. You just stole my line again, man. How are you going to do it? He's going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Paul can cut this bit, right? Paul's <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of stuff to do. Right, okay, guys. Thanks very much for checking us out. Please like, subscribe, and all that stuff. Okay. Cheers now. <laughs>